Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. We're into hour two of the Oakley Show, a great day for talk radio. And, uh, you know, tomorrow is going to be an interesting day, whether or not uh, this is going to have an impact on people who may be driving and, you know, coming from a party late in the evening, that kind of thing. You pulled off to the side of the road. The cops, as of tomorrow, can actually demand mandatory roadside breath samples. Now, they have to have reasonable suspicion. Uh, without reasonable suspicion, rather, but uh, they have to lawfully pull you over. That's the point, lawfully. And lawfully means, uh, you know, it could be a roadside breath thing. <laughs> That's what the ride programs are all about. Uh, the Supreme Court upheld this intrusion into our otherwise private lives and uh, civil liberties and so on and so forth. So be wary and mindful of that, uh, especially now that... Cannabis is legal, recreational pot, and uh, that has its own set of issues. To wit, uh, the Canadian Automobile Association has got a campaign, Don't Drive High, reinforcing that smoking cannabis can impair motor skills, reaction time, perception, and judgment. Let's find out what they're on about. Joining us on the line, Teresa DeFelice is the Assistant Vice President of Government Relations for the CAA. Teresa, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Hi there. Hi, how are you? Very well. <laughs> I'm not high, but how are you? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, in the event that people are, uh, mm-hmm. maybe they don't understand or appreciate uh, the idea that driving high, a lot of people didn't uh, consider this in the equation because the rush to legalize was seen as, hey, this is swell. It's, uh, you know, another thing that's been liberalized, but it's still uh, an intoxicant and it has its consequences when people get behind the wheel, especially. Absolutely. Uh, you know, consuming marijuana, even hours after the fact, can impair the same abilities that are very much needed for driving. Things like your reaction time, your accuracy, your ability to stay in the lane, um, ability to avoid obstacles. So, um, you know, getting high and consuming cannabis does impact you, not just right after, but even for several hour, hours after the fact. Well, my understanding is your campaign, you launched today, and you put participants to a test of sorts. Tell us about it. We did. So we launched our new uh, video series at Spin Toronto. It's a ping-pong venue in Toronto where people can go and play ping-pong. And uh, one of the videos, actually, they're, they're kind of funny you know, videos that to help make you make the connection and think is a ping pong video. And so we brought pot goggles to the event and we had people try and play ping pong uh, under the influence as uh, being able to be simulated by wearing these pot goggles. And you really get a sense of how it impacts your ability to do things that you don't typically have a problem doing and being able to have that depth perception of getting the ball or seeing exactly when it's how fast it's coming towards you or not. Uh, So it was a fun way to sort of um, give the message out there and let people experience it themselves. Wow, pot goggles. Uh, So these simulate the effect of actually having smoked pot and you're high. Yes, 
Okay. <laughs> now, why wouldn't we know about this as a novelty item and uh, sell it, you know, by, by the bushel full? All right. And so uh, individuals were shown to have slower reaction time and so on and so forth that would, if they were, uh, and by the way, what is the calibration of these pot goggles insofar as how much pot might be ingested? Um, it, it really is a bit of a, an immediate thing of sort of what you would feel like it in that, that high, right? So uh, you're feeling... Uh, very good, sort of a little bit uh, hazy, sort of in terms of what's around you. But it also depends on the person and exactly what the movements are. So, for instance, I put them on, you know, lights had a, an impact. I could see sort of a different, the bright lights that we had on from for some of the TV cameras or whatnot, left a bit of a streak or a film. Uh, just like turning your head, you really got a little bit of a leg and just being able to turn your head kind of like you would checking your blind spots. Mm. So, um, you know, it was various, various people can interpret it. Some people, uh, you know, probably experienced them differently than I did. It really is based on your own personal uh, self and in terms of how you sort of articulate or your eyesight or whatnot. But it it does definitely drive home. I think a lot of people thought, oh, ping pong, why are we doing at a ping pong event? But it was a really fun way to drive home this message of the impact. So when you put the pod goggles on, do you notice that people are giggling out of context? (laughs) <laughs> well, you definitely start giggling out of context when you realize that you can't make the shots that you're used to making or mm. in hitting the ball. Uh, and yes, you know, they're big glasses, you you know, you put them on. Um, but really, you know, it's not sort of, to- it's not actually in your system, mm-hmm. but it, it, it gives you that sense. And then, of course, just the fun of, of actually just trying to do simple tasks kind of makes you feel a little bit silly when you realize just how difficult it is in this simulated way. Um, you know, it does magnify it a little bit, but it, it does drive home the message that a lot of people, in particular, the people who do consume cannabis and drive, have this false sense of security. They believe they drive the same or better when they're high. And, and we've heard this over and over again through a variety of research. But this really is about getting the message back that the reason why you think you're driving safer is because you're driving slower. And the reason why you're driving slower is because you know you're high. And when you're high, you're recognizing that you're not actually the way you normally are and you have to adapt. Well, that adaptation is impairment. Um, and so we're, we're trying to get that message out. I've heard the same said of uh, people who maybe had uh, one or two drinks. They say, uh, yeah, I may be right there at the limit, but I'm actually a more focused driver because I understand that I've had one or two drinks. So mm-hmm. that is also uh, somewhat of a myth, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, and drinking is a different substance, but, you know, you could have one or two drinks today and have feel a certain way, have at the same time tomorrow one or two drinks and and feel completely different, maybe even more com- impaired uh, or more woozy than you would normally feel or tipsy or not feel anything at all. So it really, you know, your our bodies are complex systems. And so anytime you're putting in something that creates an altered state, it has an impact, and that impact is not the same every single time you take it. So what happens as of tomorrow, this idea that uh, there could be roadside breath samples required without reasonable suspicion, uh, was I right to say in the setup that, you know, again, the ride program is one such. I mean, they just pull you over uh, without, Mm -hmm. and then they, but here, uh, the mandatory testing could take place if you're pulled over to the side of the road in a ride-like program. Right. Is that so how it's... Yeah, the difference is up to, up, uh, up until today, uh, you know, if police pulled you over, whether it was a ride checks or some sort of stop, 
you know, there used to have to be a need for reasonable cause to sort of ask you to take a breathalyzer. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, they, they smell alcohol. They, you know, they're looking at your eye reactions, and that's demonstrating to them that something's up, and they want you to do some further tests. So this is what's known as, you know, reasonable cause, or they smell something in the car, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens tomorrow is they don't actually need that reasonable cause. And part of that is is that the substances are different to, to be able to ascertain. And so, you know, being able to... Um, demand a, a breathalyzer, and, and it is illegal to refuse, as of tomorrow, uh, being able to take that breathalyzer, um, that is really a, another tool in the toolbox of, of the police and enforcement in trying to stop the prevalence of drinking and driving or impaired driving. Um, and so, you know, this is something that we've known about for years, uh, and so cannabis is sort of at that starting stage as well, right? We know what the dangers are. We start off, you know, with putting in some rules in place, really it becomes people's behavior. And if people continue to, you know, make the decision to drink and drive or get high and drive, uh, the, the rules will become stricter and stricter and they will increase enforcement tools so that it is easier for the police to uh, detect, detain, and actually convict people uh, and, and so that we could stop this behavior from happening. Understood. So where are we at present, though? Because uh, this has been a long time in uh, anticipating the rollout, but the resources weren't necessarily there. Uh, they can take a breath sample. What about saliva testing now? Is that considered to be uh, rock solid, and or is it still left up to sobriety roadside testers, i.e. officers? Right. So... Uh, you know, there's various tools that the police can use, and one of the things that has been approved is a roadside saliva test, as you mentioned, uh, and it's up to the individual police services to decide whether they want to uh, order those for their, their forces to use. Uh, but really, you know, there's a number of ways to tell impairment by drugs and by cannabis, and, and so a lot of the police departments have been stepping up their training for um, it's called SFST, so a Standard Field Sobriety Test. Mm-hmm. That's the first sort of defense of being able to test whether someone is impaired. So you get out of your car, there's certain actions you take. Uh, and then the next step would be a drug recognition expert, or in the case of alcohol, you know, the breathalyzer, the uh, you know, blood alcohol content requests and things like that. So, you know, there, again, police have a variety of tools. And they've been employing them, and they're going to continue employing them. And CA calls for, you know, a lot more training to be done and for the government to make resources available so that we can get more uh, police officers trained in order to be able to detect impairment at the side of the road so that we can have uh, continue to have safer roads for all. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, those tests have to be administered within a two-hour window? Uh, the standard field sobriety tests, or, or do you mean the blood alcohol? The blood alcohol. Yeah, um, it depends. Um, blood alcohol, I, I'm not for sure off the top of my head, but the cannabis, uh, cannabis does stay in your system for, for a long period of time. And so the, the sort of tests that have to be taken for that have to be done within an earlier portion. So within a couple of hours is ideal mm-hmm. um, because cannabis does stay in your system for a lot longer than, let's say, alcohol would. All right. Well, this is all being rolled out tomorrow and uh, in the interest of public safety and uh, deterring any kind of accidents on the road. By the way, legalization since October 17th, mm-hmm. are there any, uh, I mean, it's early, but have you noticed, uh, have there been, uh, I don't know if there's data already to support the contention that people are driving high or uh, it's still safer than alcohol because uh, that's yeah. that's the bigger issue, but uh, where do we stand as far as that's concerned? 
Well, you know, the, the, our research prior to legalization showed that almost one in two current users were driving high. Uh, so people who regularly use cannabis were actually consuming it after, you know, getting behind the wheel after consuming it within the last three months of, before taking the study. So, you know, we know it's a road safety issue already. Um, that The police have been doing a, a variety of, you know, random stops. They've, you know, started their ride program. So we're hearing various police reports around the number of charges being laid in either alcohol or uh, drug-impaired. Um, you know, they're the ones that release sort of the charges until we have convictions. We don't get formal reporting because normally we get formal reporting once those convictions go through mm-hmm. that, that help us uh, say definitively whether the case is carried in its, in, in its impairment by drugs or alcohol. But we are hearing from the police, you know, sort of the weekly stories about how many people they've pulled over, how many for drugs, how many for alcohol. And, and there is cause for concern. And so, you know, right now it is illegal to drive under the influence. Uh, and it's zero tolerance for novice, 21 years of age and, uh, and under, and commercial drivers. Uh, and everybody else, you know, there are a variety of uh, penalties that can go into effect. Uh, it definitely, you know, you lose your license for a while, you have fines to pay, you get a record. I mean, these are all things that nobody wants to have to deal with. And the best way to do it is just to find another way to get to where you're going. All right. Well, that's the campaign that was launched by the CAA earlier today. Don't drive high. And they put on the pot goggles and uh, determine that people don't know just how impaired they might be. Teresa DeFelice is the Assistant Vice President of Government Relations for the CAA. Really appreciate your insights. Thanks so much, Teresa. Thank you. Take care. And you. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.